Howdy, I'm Zach Wright, and this is the very first episode of FAIR's brand new series about critical thinking. And I am super excited to be here because I think that this is a really, really important topic. And the it's something that I think a lot of people think about, but not a lot of people Have like it in their mental space to like bring you know kind of bring up and like harness we'll talk a little bit about that in a second right now i think it's i think it's good if we start with a quote um as i was as i was doing research on this uh, i came across an article that described the emergence the emerging crisis in critical thinking and it talks it, here's just a little clip of it there are emerging reports that although modern students are quite adept at memorizing and regurgitating facts presented in class or in reading materials, the ability to reason, think critically, and problem solve has actually been dramatically reduced in recent years. Just kind of like talking about critical thinking skills in relation to the school system. Um, it, it's interesting because I went to charter schools for most of my life and while it seemed to be rather consistent that people would like pay kind of lip service to this idea of critical thinking, I never really remember any of them actually sitting me down and saying, hey, critical thinking is X, Y, and Z. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure why. I, I'd be lying if I, I, I can't read minds. I, I guess that's the best way to say it, but Basically, it's something that while we while we consistently think about it, there's really not a lot of people, if really asked, could kind of dig down and explain what it is. And maybe it's just me. I don't know. But that's why we're here today. It wasn't until I was, you know, maybe 18 where I really started to, like, pick up on this and what it actually meant. Because critical thinking at its core has far more to do with how we think about things instead of what it is we're actually thinking about. So for instance, if we wanted to look at Joseph Smith's life, you can think critically about Joseph Smith's life and the religious claims he made without having a degree in American religious history. And you can think critically about what the Bible teaches without having a degree in, you know, Koine Greek. Like you, you don't need those things. They're helpful but thinking critically is more about a process than it is ex exactly explaining what you're trying to do. Sorry, hold on. Critical thinking is far more about how you think than what you think about. I, that's the best way to put it. And Latter-day Saints really should care about this idea of critical thinking because it, it'll, help, it'll help other people. You'll be able to communicate more effectively. You can solve more problems. And it's just easier to parse through the information that's given to you. Well, maybe it's um maybe not easier. It's it's simpler to do so. And that prompts a question. What does it mean to critically think? Well, let's explore that for a minute. What is critical thinking? Um one of the best statements I found while I was looking at this was us just making sure that we have good reasons for what we believe. That's pretty much it. Um more specifically, the University of Louisiana stated that 
Critical thinking includes an ability to question, to acknowledge and test previously held assumptions, to recognize ambiguity, to examine, interpret, evaluate, reason, and reflect, to make informed judgments and decisions, and to clarify, articulate, and justify positions. Kind of a mouthful, but fair enough. Consider this, though. As, as I was reading that, did you think about how this list or the items on that list would apply at home, at school, work, church? Doing so is actually a really important aspect of critical thinking. But if you're like me, you probably didn't do that the first time around. And that's okay. Critical thinking doesn't come naturally to people any more than running a marathon comes naturally to people. It's a, it's a, it's a skill right? And like with any skill, it comes with deliberate practice and experience, lots of it. If I've succeeded today, you will be able to practice these critical thinking skills more effectively than maybe you've done in the past. We won't be going over every aspect of critical thinking, but we'll be going over at least a couple of things. Specifically, we'll be talking about asking questions, evaluating worldviews, and at the end, I have another note that I'd like to add specifically about um, more of like a spiritual note. But let's start with asking effective questions. So an essential aspect of critical thinking is being able to ask important questions. And one pair of researchers noted that asking questions can stimulate the brain, open communication, or create an exchange of ideas prompts discovery of what others actually know, obviously, and encourage listening, provide opportunity to acknowledge others' ideas, and lead to the process of discovery. Dieter, President Dieter F. Uchtdorf said exactly that asking questions isn't a sign of weakness, it's a precursor to growth. And so with both secular and religious voices talking about the importance of asking questions, it's probably something we should take seriously. So what kind of questions should we, should we be asking? Well, if we go back to what I said before about critical thinking having us, it's just having us have good reasons for believing what we believe, then maybe we can start with questions that kind of focus on that. A couple I wrote down here were, how does this source claim to be getting their information? How reliable is that method of getting information? Do other ways of getting information corroborate this specific source? Uh, is what this source claims being overly distorted by bias or positive or negative? And when was this source speaking or writing about the subject? All of those things are important aspects of figuring out exactly where we get this information from and can provide insight as to kind of the kind of information we're getting from the specific source. And so a case study for this of how a critical thinker may approach a subject with good questions may be helpful here. So consider how a critic of the church may bring up the idea that Joseph Smith manufactured a set of fake metal plates. That's something that gets passed around the internet relatively often now, at least in my experience. Um, and they presented those plates as an ancient record of the Book of Mormon. Is that possible? Sure. But a critical thinker would be able to ask questions like, where did Joseph learn to make such plates? Who taught him to create the plates? Did anyone contemporary to his time mention his ability to make plates? Or what materials did Joseph use? Where did he obtain these materials? 
did where where did he manufacture the plates and when did he have time to make them i could keep going but i'm sure you guys get the idea these are important questions to ask when dealing with historical sources those kinds of questions because it's not it's not necessarily an accusation against what they're saying it has more to do with figuring out more about what they're trying to get at when they make that claim because all those questions are kind of important when trying to analyze that specific claim. Um, so anyone making the claim that Joseph was fabricating plates would need to answer these questions in order to make a more compelling case. So note also that asking these questions doesn't actually counter the argument itself. That's an important note to make because um, they're not to be confused with arguments. We'll deal with logic and logical fallacies another day. But you can, you can ask these questions as a means to the end of clarifying what other people say so that you can then, you can then kind of make better and more informed decisions about what other people are saying. It's important to get the full story of what someone is actually saying if you really want to engage with serious discussion about, about these topics. And you can support these questions with other sources, um, but it's important to recognize that this method of asking questions can be more impactful in the realm of apologetics and research than just about anything else. And I have found it to be particularly helpful for me as I go around meeting new people with different perspectives than myself. And we'll talk a little bit about perspectives now because that's actually really another another really important aspect of critical thinking. You need to be able to look at problems from different perspectives. So a perspective, I, when, I, when I use the term perspective, I'm using it interchangeably with the term worldview. I know that there's a little bit of, there, there's a little bit of ambiguity there that maybe I'm, I'm conflating. But when I say perspective or worldview, it's important to know I'm using those two terms interchangeably. But essentially, a worldview is described as a set of values and assumptions about the world through which we interpret our experience. So in order to ask important and even faithful questions, it's essential to understand exactly what ideas those questions are based on. Um, a worldview is also described as like a collection of attitudes, values, and stories and expectations about the world around us which inform our every thought and action. In order to be an effective critical thinker, it's important to be able to differentiate between the kinds of perspectives you're, you're dealing with. And so, in, in reality, we, we actually do this all the time. So if, if we have somebody, uh, we have a faithful husband, like a family man who goes to work, they interpret the events around them with different lenses. So they can look at it from the lens of an employee. They can look at it through the lens of being a father or a husband, and they can look at it from the lens of being a child of God. All of those lenses have different questions and different motivations. It's important to be able to differentiate between the two, but most of the time we, we, we don't really think about that. So what I think would be useful now is to go over a couple of kind of sample worldviews that Latter-day Saints often kind of think about. Um, one that we are particularly familiar with as Latter-day Saints is the restored gospel perspective. 
And this viewpoint is primarily focused on things like our relationship with our Heavenly Father, the morality of our choices, and how Jesus Christ established, reestablished, and guides his church today. It looks at the world as being a step along an eternal path, one with divine potential where God's purpose is to bring about the immortality and eternal life of man. This perspective assumes that those who deal with it believe in God and believe in Jesus Christ our Savior and believe that God speaks through prophets today. Those are all assumptions that it brings to the table. And that, that's something you're gonna that's something you're gonna see with worldviews and perspectives rather consistently. It has questions it's trying to answer, it has assumptions it's bringing to the table, and it has methods by which we discover that information. So another example of this, um, the historical perspective. Um, it's primarily focused on gathering data from various sources and establishing a kind of narrative, an understanding of the way things have been, the way things were understood by other people in the past. Um, it studies what people before them wrote about the events. They're primarily concerned with finding out what people make, what claims, and interweaving each of those accounts into some kind of coherent narrative. Sometimes it's trickier to, to do so because there's a lot of ambiguity. Another thing we'll talk about another day. The this perspective presupposes that the events are able to be known uh, by the people who record them. And historians are also quick to know that there are gaps in the data that are irrecoverable as it stands right now. Even so, they're able to study documents as a means to the end of being able to describe with some degree of certainty something that happened in the past. So... That's more of the historical perspective. Another one that we run into, especially often nowadays, is the scientific perspective. The, the scientific perspective traces its roots back to the Renaissance and even parts of like Greek philosophy, and it seeks to establish causality. It's, it's trying to determine some kind of causal relationship that occurs in the world. Um, much can be said about the history and assumptions about the scientific worldview and there's certainly not enough time to launch into the deep dive into that today. But I don't think it would be unfair to generalize it as being a way to, as I said before, try to establish this causality. X leads to Y kind of a thing. In this perspective, scientists are concerned about how different things interact with each other, what causes different reactions, and what variables can be manipulated to bring about what result. And... While the assumptions made by scientists can vary, it wouldn't be untrue to say that they assume that everything is a long, strand, a long string of cause-effect reactions. So a good, example, a, a good example of this can actually be found in psychology. So psychology, they, they have this concept of the biopsychosocial model. And the biopsychosocial model kind of it talks a little bit about this idea where we have our biology which interacts and evokes or manipulates aspects of the world around us and then that stuff interacts with our um with our kind of psyche our mind and our mind is influenced by our biology and all these things just kind of like work together to kind of evoke or bring out certain attributes and so while psychology is kind of a softer science 
I hope you're able to see what I mean when I talk about um, science trying to establish some kind of causality and bring about some kind of deeper understanding about the world directly through observation. So we can even look at the perspective of this very article. I wrote this under the beliefs and assumptions that God exists, morality exists, humans have um, libertarian free will kind of a thing. We, there are a few assumptions here. We're trying to answer specific questions and we have specific ways or I'm trying to use a specific methodology explaining things in a way that makes sense to other people in a video format so that it can be some, it can provide some kind of benefit to others. Um, I'm playing a little fast and loose with terms there, I'm beginning to realize, but that, that should, hopefully that helps kind of explain what's going on here. Um, with those presuppositions in mind, I hope I've been able to show that every one of those perspectives though, like the LES perspective, the historical perspective, and the scientific perspective, all can provide some kind of use in understanding reality as we understand it today. Practicing looking at things from a different perspective can help us become better critical thinkers. And while it may be challenging and often pushes us outside of our comfort zone, it is infinitely worth it. Every one of these perspectives though, it's worth mentioning, can be taken outside of its realm, or it can be warped leading to conclusions that are unhealthy, harmful, and not conducive to the moral life that I think we're, most if not all of us are trying to build. And this doesn't mean that there's something wrong with the worldview in of itself, any more than it would mean that a hammer has something wrong with it because it can't mow the lawn. But this purpose, sorry, the purpose, assumptions, and answers each worldview provides are different. And I posit that each of these worldviews should be used to answer questions in its respective domain. Now, how does this relate to critical thinking? I mention this because critical thinking is, it includes this idea of being able to take data from a variety of different perspectives and string that data together to bring together two ideas that count two different perspectives and bring them together in a way that helps answer a specific question or solve a specific problem. And we as critical thinkers have to be able to do that because there's a lot of data out there and a lot of different people saying a lot of different things. Um, ignoring one or more perspectives in favor of another is what I usually refer to when I talk about bias. So, for example, when discussing controversial topics such as the relationship between members of the LGBTQ plus community and the church, it's important to understand what perspectives are at play and avoid bias in any format. So, for example, LDS critical thinkers should be careful not to ignore what role genetics might play in homosexuality. And members of the LGBTQ plus community should be careful to remember that the role, the role that traditional families play in the afterlife from a very theological perspective. Allowing one perspective to cloud another will usually lead to contention and frustration and a lack of intellectual and spiritual engagement with all parties involved. Just 
not great. It doesn't help. So to recap, a critical thinker needs to be aware of the perspectives that they're working with. They need to be able to identify the assumptions, the questions, and the methods that each worldview brings to the table. They need to be able to avoid bias, and they need to be able to string together these they need to be able to string together data from a variety of different perspectives in a way that is able to answer questions. So that kind of leads to kind of an interesting part of, of this discussion here, because a critical thinker would be able to actively point out in terms of the assumptions that I bring to the table about God in terms of talking about whether or not we actually have free will or, you know, whether morality exists. I can't, the, the critical thinker would be able to point out that I can't prove those things objectively exist. And they, they would be right. Like I can't use, I can't use the scientific method to be able to prove that, you know, you shouldn't commit murder. That's, that's outside of the realm of it's, of what science is trying to answer, or at least that's what I would argue. So that's exactly why I'm here, actually. It's, it's to help kind of demonstrate this idea that there is more than one way to get information. And that kind of leads to kind of an invitation that I would leave for all those who are watching both members and non-members alike, so pay attention. For members, I would actively encourage all of you to try to apply these critical thinking skills as we go about studying our theology and history. And this would, this would imply that we are willing to look kind of at what other people have to say, analyze their worldviews, ask important questions, and eventually arrive at the truth because I, I would say that the truth is actually very important within our theology. Jesus Christ identifies himself as being the way, the truth, and the life. I would encourage you to do things to increase your faith as you increase your knowledge in a lot of these other domains. And as you do so, I promise that both your spiritual and intellectual capacities will increase and that you will find greater happiness as a result because you will be able to use the gifts that God has given you, both intellectually and spiritually, as a means to the end of helping other people come closer to Christ. As for non-members, which... If you're watching, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I, I assert that there is, in fact, a spiritual domain and that it can be known through spiritual methods. And that these, these methods include meditation, prayer, study and application of the words of the prophets. And over time, upon acting on these spiritual exercises, I claim that you will be able to feel a rejuvenated sense of power and confidence and that you will be able to feel in your heart the good that comes from each of these. And I testify that the spiritual perspective will not contradict truth that you understand now, but will help you ultimately find better ways to embrace it.
And I invite you in this sense to seek God, believe in his son, Jesus Christ. And I invite you to study the words of the prophets, both ancient and modern. And most importantly, I invite you to follow Jesus Christ's admonition to follow him. And hopefully, as both members and non-members go about acting on invitations like this, and others too, you'll take the skills that I've presented here about asking questions and examining things from a different lens to heart as you do it. And I also hope you don't dismiss this invitation offhand. I, I promise you that as you look over the collective history from a spiritual perspective of God allegedly working with people, you'll be able to see his hand in it. And that if you do have questions, you can come talk to the people at fair. We're, we're very friendly. Like if, if you talk to us, we're, and you, if you want to be able to learn more, please reach out to us. And we, we'd love to be able to see how we can help. So in conclusion, we've, we've talked about a lot today. We talked about being able to ask questions. We've talked about being able to evaluate perspectives. And I've, I've mentioned somewhat the importance of being able to find a, a spiritual center and to act on specifically the, the spiritual perspective and what some of the results and that will occur when you do that. Now, I understand there, there's a little bit of irony in terms of me doing a critical thinking series, because in a hypothetical sense, you would take everything I just said and ask questions about it and evaluate what perspectives I'm bringing to the table and try to figure out if what I'm saying is worth it or not. There's, I, I make no claim of omniscience here and I, I'm not perfect. There'll probably be things that I say that are that need to be corrected. But hopefully I've been able to demonstrate at least the value of being able to ask questions and evaluate perspectives. And hopefully I've been able to demonstrate or at least invite effectively for everyone to come closer to God. And hopefully it'll inspire you to, you know, study LDS theology a little bit deeper and ask those questions that most people just don't have time to think about. I do think that these skills will bless lives. And I do think that as we strive to, you know, critically think, we'll be able to feel God more closely. Because if there's one example from, the LD, from a spiritual perspective about what a good critical thinker looks like, I imagine it would be God. And if we're trying to become like him, it probably wouldn't hurt to try doing some of the things that he does in what limited capacity we can. And I look forward to being able to help pave the road to a far better future as a result. So, I think that's mostly it of what I had to talk about, talk about today. I really appreciate the chance to be able to come talk to you. And I look forward to being able to talk more about aspects of critical thinking. We've got a lot in store. 
we're, t- we're going to be talking about things like evaluating sources, logic, logical fallacies, um, even kind of more nuanced ideas like presentism. And eventually we're going to get to the point where we can use some of these critical thinking skills and kind of like try them with some of the more controversial aspects of LDS theology and history. But in the meantime, I hope that you've been able to learn something. Um, If you have any questions, please reach out to us. We would love to be able to figure out more about what some of the questions you have about critical thinking. And if there is something that we can do to help, let us know. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic day.